and the mouse keep running, running, and 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 running, Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, episode 275, where, because of a bunch of circumstances, it's going to be mainly me tonight on the podcast. I will be joined by Brandone to talk about a little King in Black, a little small book called King in Black. But because of what's going on with weather, clay, Is not going to be joining me, not even just that, but because President's Day was this week, we ended up not getting the review copies until late. Then I had a family issue, me and Clay ended up not being able to record this week. He'll be back next week, and hopefully him and his wife are doing okay. So shout out and thoughts out to Clay and everybody in Texas and all over the place that's getting hit hard by this ice storm. But with all of that, let me tell you where you can find us over on the Twitters at WS Marvel Comics. You can go to our website, which is weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. I don't know if you heard me just bite my tongue, and it hurts. It hurts like heck. And also go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdscience, where you can support us for all the things on this feed if you listen to the DC one as well, but also get a ton of shows in return, each level, more shows, all that sort of thing. Now, one of the things that we do each week is we have a Patreon-only Marvel comic Spotlight, two books that we go through, usually take a little more time than we do on the regular show, but it usually ends up being two books, an hour long, something around those things. Comes out Wednesday night, just like this show, and also it's picked by the bad asses of the Get Fresh crew, Beep Boop. And they end up picking two books from a poll of all of the books that come out this week. This week they ended up picking Modoc Head Games number three, something that me and Brandon have actually been enjoying, and also Thor number 12, a book that I've been enjoying as well. So if you want to hear those two reviews, go over to the Patreon. There's other Marvel shows and other comic shows and things that aren't comic shows over there, usually about... 50 to 60 shows a month extra. It's a lot, I know, but you don't have to listen to them all, or you can listen to them all if you want. I'm not here to run your life. I'm just here to do podcasts is what I'm doing. But I'm also here to give a shout-out, a shout-out to the badasses of the Get Fresh crew. As I said, boop-boop. How dare you? And this is the Badass Roll Call. Ah, I said I'm going to keep doing this on the Marvel deal, something that we've been doing forever on the DC side. I always forget until right when we're going to do it, but here is the badasses. Josh Murray from Nada, a robot podcast. Ted Probst, Lawrence Lee, Forrest Polly, Cam, Joseph Wojcik, Matt Razor, D-Man 3000, All New Dave, Lady Abby, Cisco, Matches Balone, Niels Tewart, David Fink, Joey Bercasco, Stephen Baum, Tony Walton, Jason Colby, Sue 42 to me and you, Michael G, Ken Halleck, Comic Boom Rocky, check out his YouTube, Cellar Dweller, Mark Jager, Eric G, Aldrin Stoja, Nick Adams, Bill Deer from The Bat Pod, check out that podcast, Ruben. 
Carlos, Lone Wolf Marv, T-Funk, Luke Hollywood, Simon, Luis, Manship, Andrew Belfast, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh from Million, Dalton Edom, my man Pete from NYC. Me and him just started a bonus Star Wars comics podcast on the Patreon. Sailor Moon Mark, a little shout out to Sailor Moon. He had a, a tragedy in the family, and I'm thinking about him. We have my man Rob Lewis, Brandy Murray, and Double Aaron. A little shout out to Reggie, the ultimate badass, right on time, as I always am. And with that, boom, let's go off to the books. And we're going to start with Black Widow number Five, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Alana Casagrande with Raphael De La Torre for a couple pages. Jordi Belair on colors and BC's Corey Petit on letters. And here is the recap. Natasha Romanoff's greatest enemies have joined forces to put the Black Widow out of commission by giving her everything she's ever wanted. With a combination of gene therapy and mental manipulation, they made her forget her time as a spy and instead gave her a beautiful life with the perfect fiancé and perfect baby boy. Her actual genetic son. You have stolen oh my, my goodness! What's what's going to go on with old Stevie? When wedding, when weeping lion, wedding lion, when weeping lion broke ranks and tried to kill Natasha, he accidentally reactivated her memories. Now she knows who she is and where she's been. But none of that changes her love for this newfound family. James and baby Stevie and their idyllic life in San Francisco are all the widow has ever. Wanted. You have stolen <laughs> my dreams. But with the super spy now aware she's under attack, the villains are desperate to finally end her. Natasha knew she would have to let her family go to keep them safe. She had a plan. It just got blown up, and James and Stevie dot 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 are gone. How oh dare my you? god, they're gone. But yeah, you're led to believe that they're gone, all right. And they are, but we'll see how as we go through this because we start off with memories with Natasha. Thinking back at her times with old James and Stevie. Now, Stevie, every time we see him, he seems to be getting older, being able to say more, all that stuff. And this almost, to me, ended up feeling like not even memories, but actually thinking of what might have come to pass. But with that, you have the big explosion where we think that James and Stevie are both dead. Now, you end up having Yelena there with Bucky and Clint trying to get Natasha. Okay, let's go. We still have a fight here. We still have people trying to kill us. We still need to do this. Are you ready? And you end up having Natasha pick up a little rubber ducky, a little, little rubber ducky, kisses it and says, let's roll and let's get going. And they do. And they pretty much go to just destroy, destroy this team. Uh, especially Weeping Lion. I mean, that jerk, if he would, would have just kept his his mitts to himself there, none of this would have ended up like this. Still, eventually it was going to happen. But in one of the badass moments of this issue, you have Weeping Lion looking to shoot Clint. He ends up, okay, let's see. I got eyes on Hawkeye. Let me get my scope here. He's got a sniper rifle. And you end up seeing in the rifle, in the scope, you see Clint notching a, an arrow and you just know weeping line you better oh no he's done you end up having clint shoot the arrow through the scope right into the eye of weeping lion and if that didn't kill him it's gonna hurt and it actually says at the end there's a new weeping line so r.i.p w.l and, and so you end up pretty much through the rest of this with natasha Elena going through and kicking ass and taking names, shooting people in the kneecaps, you know, really going to town. You end up having a bit where 
Natasha, as she's going through all of these, you know, guards and then the main people, she ends up running across Red Guardian. And that takes her back saying, like, what are you doing? You know, Alexei, what are you here for? And he's like, listen, I had nothing to do with any of this setup. I really didn't have any idea of this. I kind of got some money. I came here, but, you know, I'm not down with this. And you end up having Natasha spare him, but says, I'm going to end up finding you. And we're going to really have a sit down and talk about this later. But again, you end up having awesome art with a lot of really, really cool spread pages where you see all of the characters really kicking butt. There's a really nice spread page that ends up having Hawkeye splitting the page between where you see Elena and Natasha on either side, just destroying everybody while Clint's just showering down arrows. And it was really, really cool. Now, if you're paying attention here, you kind of realize that Bucky's not involved. We haven't seen Bucky. He's not in this fight anymore. He was there at the beginning, but he's disappeared. And we do end up even with Clint and Natasha talking, and Clint ends up upset. And he says, because this phony life that Natasha had, she had a husband pretty much named after, you know, Winter Soldier. She ends up having a baby named after pretty much Captain America. So, And it was one of those things where they were people captured a mind controller. They ended up giving those names, which in my mind, those would be trigger words that would pull her out. But she explains that they must have used that. To make her feel comfortable That she's married to a James That she has a kid Stevie and all this Well Clint's wondering what, Why isn't anybody named Clint And even says even the cat was named Logan What about me What's going on with me And you end up having Natasha Trying to kind of blow that off And trying to say nah you know It, it wasn't that much of that But we all know it was Especially then later in another safe house because all of that action was going on in the safe house they first went to. And I'll give Elena a lot of credit. When they first got there, she didn't like any bit of the layout. She's like, this is a real crappy layout for, you know, a lot of unprotected deal. And that ends up when they get attacked. But Bucky comes back to the safe house, says it's me. And now we find out what happened. And it makes sense. It's still heartbreaking. It's still Natasha losing her family. They're not dead. I mean, the idea that even a clone, but a baby as cute as Stevie, they're going to kill him? I mean, that would have been awful. But to Natasha, they are dead to her because she had explained to James before, you can't be around me. You'll always be a target. It's one of those things. It's, you know, why all or mostly all of the superheroes end up having secret identities and all that sort of thing because everybody they love would be a target and then james and stevie are already a target now so you know it's just going to get worse so she ends up having bucky go and you know take and that's the thing bucky does so it works bucky goes gives them a new life sets them up with money all that stuff they'll never have a worry in their life but they're not going to have their fiance slash mom and you even see in a little bit stevie is wondering where mom is now the one thing that you can kind of go back and say, well, at least by the end, Stevie is not going to remember her eventually. It's sad, but at least he won't. But Natasha will. And it's like that wrestling video from back in the day. You know, it's a while now with the guy like, you know, it's real to me, damn it. Well, it's real to Natasha. Anybody can sit there and say, well, they weren't really her family, but they were. And the, the memories are still there and the memories still are 
exactly there as having a family. So it is heartbreaking. There's a lot of feels in this issue going on, but at least you end up having James and Stevie, you know, have a life together. And if we never see them again, we could at least know that they have things taken care for them. Now, with that, you end up having Winter Soldier wondering, is this going to be a roadblock? Because I kind of like you, Natasha. I kind of, you know, we've we've had a thing going. And is this going to stop that? And it is for now. I mean, the idea that she had a husband, James, which was supposedly to, you know, make her feel comfortable because of Bucky, all that. Now it's kind of still there. So how can she get with Bucky thinking about this family that she had, including a son? And so it does end up even being heartbreaking to that. But Natasha ends up going back to get the cat, goes back to get Logan. It's like that last bit of reminder of her family. And then she sits there and it's a, it's a nice scene. At the bit where she's there, she's sitting, you know, out on the porch there of the house and she's, you know, petting Logan thinking, I wonder if Stevie and James are out there watching the same sunset, things like that. And they are actually. So it's kind of a nice, still bittersweet and sad ending. But you get at the end the setup for coming up and you have Yelena and Natasha kind of getting things going, figuring things out. You're going to have a new suit for Natasha. You're going to have a new Black Widow suit coming up. That's a big thing that they're pushing for the next issue as she goes from this and then goes off to kick some butt and get back to some more Black Widow stories. The thing is, though, it's not going to come out till the end of April. And I really like this book. The problem is it's never coming out. It's always delayed or not coming out. So I really want to get to that. But pretty much now we have two months to wait till the next issue, which sucks. Now, when we get back to it, new suit, and they even have it at the end. Issue number six, the Black Widow will return for a brand new arc in April 28th. Mark your calendars for the biggest venture yet. Saving San Francisco, featuring a new suit, a new mission, a new cast. Don't miss artist Raphael De La Torre's full Marvel debut with issue number six. And we got a couple pages of old Raphael de la Tour. I don't necessarily like his art as much as I like Alana Casagrande's on this book, but it might just be because I'm used to Alana Casagrande's art in this book. So we'll see. And it seems to be just this first issue. And then it says, don't fear Alana Casagrande returns with an action pack number seven. So that's good as well. But we'll see how that is. I like this issue. Now with it, You don't have a ton going on. It's more just to wrap up this arc that has been hanging for a while. So it was nice. A lot of feels. And you get, you know, the idea Kelly Thompson does know the characters here in a point where it's not just surface level Black Widow going around. Now, you can say, well, Jim, there's a lot of stories with Black Widow losing her memories like this. I'm not just saying the story itself either. I'm saying the idea of the feels. I'm obviously attached to these characters, especially James and Stevie, because seeing them go and, you know, being happy that they are alive, but not with Natasha and knowing how much that must pain her actually got to me. It actually gave me the feels. And if I can get the feels, anybody can. I have a cold, dark heart that is very hard to get to. (laughs) Really, I'm the Grinch times 10. So if I can get feels, anybody can. And I really like them. If you haven't read this whole deal most of it by now should be on the marvel unlimited app if you have that you can catch up to it or at least check it out it's good i liked it brandon was liking it as well 
Uh, but yeah, I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. And we're going to then go off to the next book. Yes, and I am back with Brandon. How are you doing, Brandon? How are you doing? We're here to talk a little King in Black, as you heard there. Trying to get this recorded with the stupid software that I'm going to strangle. Yeah, I thought you uh, vanished there. I couldn't hear the song. No, they they updated all this stuff. I don't know. So you didn't hear any of that? That was just no. The song. Oh my god, this is the worst. This (laughs) this is the worst. So you don't hear this either. (laughs) I hear you. Did you just hear that? You didn't hear. I didn't hear anything. No, I hear you though. That's all all Uh, matters. Yeah, I guess this is all the shade you wanted. This is the worst. I'm gonna I'm gonna strangle somebody, and it's killing me. But we're here. To talk King and Black, I'll lay off the soundboard there. I will not hit it, Brandon. I just wrong. did. You didn't know. Yeah. Am I drunk? Is, is that what's going on? I there? didn't have that. No, this is all wrong. It's all Greta, all Greta, all the time. And this is King and Black number four. It's the penultimate issue. This is chapter four called Lightning, and it is written by Johnny Cates, pencils by Ryan Stegman, inks by J.P. Mayer, and colors by Frank Martin. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. No, the King in Black and Lord of the Abyss has traversed the galaxy with his horde of hundreds of thousands of symbiote dragons to extinguish all light and life in existence. He has finally arrived on Earth in search of the one called Brock. Eddie Brock, a.k.a. Venom, is dead. His son, Dylan, looked to be our hero's only hope until Thor, the god of thunder, finally arrived. With Dylan and Thor teamed up, they were able to begin freeing nullified heroes. No, displeased with the state of things, took Thor on directly, running him through with the all-black, the necrosword, and trapping Dylan in an orb of symbiotes. A badly beaten Thor sent his ravens, Hugin and Munin, to retrieve the last hope in bringing the god of light to Earth, Norin Arad, the silver surfer. And you end up going into this issue... And you had the same some problem. Some of this I happened in tie-ins, obviously. Not, yeah, well, no, some of the things are just pushed ahead. We, we've had this before. And a lot of people are giving this rave reviews, and we are not going to be. I'm going to tell you a lot of big things happen here, but a lot of things are thrown at you. And this main book does not have a pacing to me that is a very good. I think that what happens is when you end up going through all of these tie-ins and then you get to this big book, you do end up seemingly, I've read almost all of the times. The only one I haven't read is the Union book because I refused to read something that was supposed to be an Empire book and now yeah, it's a King of Black. Else, I said yeah. I'm out. So, But with that, every other one and, and every other one this week, all that stuff. So when I get into this, I should be right on board. I should be going. You always feel like you've missed out on something and it's starting to be explained a little bit in that recap. Because I was thrown off a bit right away with this. Now, I'm going to tell you another thing I was that bothers thrown off me. I, I'm with you as far as being thrown off, but I, I just assumed because, you know, I, I just don't have the time to read all this nonsense. I figured it, uh, it happened. You got in, time for that. 
Right? Well, th- this is the same thing that happened with War of Realms and uh, the the plant story, whatever that Empire. one was. The, Empire. The, yeah, there we go. That one. The plant story. That's Little Shop of Horrors, Brandon. That's a yes, movie. And, and the plant. But you end up with all this. So you end up where I have two problems with the main King and Black story. One deals with the idea of, you know, the tie-ins. Uh, but the other one is this main story seems to be more of let's go big, big, bigger, 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 and you're just slapping bigger on bigger. And it feels now really like a Michael Bay movie where I actually thought we were going to get a little more of a Dylan Eddie story, especially when, you know, Eddie dies. So we just have Dylan and we're not really getting much of Dylan. Dylan is just kind of pacing through each scene being yelled at by no. Yeah, we're, we're at the part of the Transformers movie. We're on the pyramids and they show the, the big dangling Transformer balls. That, that's where we're at. <laughs> and, and so it's it's that. Now people might say, well, it is an action movie type deal. But my other problem is we have a ton of tie-ins. We just had a song that says that it's a very big event with a lot of tie-ins. And while people say love that Black Panther tie-in, the King and Black Black Panther that Jeffrey Thorne did last week, I believe it was, the idea that every time I read a tie-in, especially one-shots, I'm seeing heroes defeat at least that bit of symbiotes that are there with them. You end up having Black Panther, Shuri, all them. They can end up just wiping out the symbiotes on Africa, especially Wakanda, to then yell Wakanda forever. Yeah, high five. Then we go back to the main book, and they never are getting a step forward. They're always behind the deal. And finally, in the penultimate issue, we will end up with at least you know, more of the, oh, my God, it looks like they're going to be able to do this. But the idea of having all these tie-ins where people are succeeding, because you're going to want to center. It's a weird deal. If you're going to have a one-shot, say, the Black Panther, you, you don't want to just have a Black Panther one-shot where Black Panther gets his butt handed to him. And then he walks away with his tail between his legs. You can't really do that. So you are going to elevate the character. But it's throwing me off then when we get back to the main book, because now I just wonder, where's Black Panther? Why isn't he in the suit that he had that they actually said could even take on the Phoenix? Why aren't you clearing out New York City like you did Wakanda? And then you also have in this book where Tony had constantly just been making his extremist armor (laughs) into everything. You get extremist. And then you get extremist. (laughs) And then just kind of disappears. And that's where the thing is going, where it's weird that I seem to be more in tune with some of the tie-ins more than I am the main book. The main book shows up to kind of be like a downer. It doesn't actually seem to really be connected as much with the tie-ins as I think it should be. It's just, let's go back to see what kind of crap they're involved with and how they're going to lose. Now, we end up especially, just think, the last Venom issue, we were fired up. I like that last Venom issue, yeah. I think, more it was than exciting with most Flash and of everything. these. Yeah, when we had Flash, they're going to go up and do things. Not Eddie even a peep of, of Flash here. Eddie of the mind is there. He's in there, and Null was tricking him with Rex, and I know that we'll get back to that in the Venom book, but now I wonder, like, what's going on? Because now Eddie, all of a sudden, He's, you know, Captain Universe at the end. So it just throws me off. And I I think that maybe this is going to be one of those events that when I go back and and kind of pick and choose, I would read the main thing. We talked about this a bunch. And I'd also read the Venom time. Maybe I'd be better served just waiting and reading these five issues. 
of King of Black and possibly the Venom tie-ins. I think that it's gone on too long. Yeah, yeah and it definitely I'm starting, has. My head swirling around. You have things too where even in this issue, and maybe I'm completely off, you know, my rocker, and somebody can say, "No, Jim, you forgot this," or maybe you're that, or I'm a dummy. But you, you keep pushing the idea that Dylan is the big thing because Dylan was able to dissipate the symbiotes off yeah. of the people, especially he keeps the doing it. We every, get every, this that's in here. All we've been doing for two issues of Dylan. The problem, here though, book. is that happens this week in the Planet of Symbiotes book that I'll go a little later, where you end up having Prowler, who's now Hornet, use iPhones to do it. Now, now what are you doing? Because you, you're saying, even in this, you're reminding everybody that the big to do is that we can't really set them all on fire. We have Johnny Storm trying to do that. He couldn't. He ends up being a symbiote. It, the sound doesn't, because these symbiotes. They're not like that. They end up not having that. But yet we see it all the time in all these tie-ins. And so when we get to this, you want to get back to that idea of Dylan's the only one who can do that. But we keep seeing everybody else doing it. I mean, if Hobie ends up doing it, who else can't? I mean, the idea that Prowler is out there and he's able to dissipate the symbiote goo off of cell phones. Yeah, with cell phones. Like, how, how is this then working as this big universal threat then? I mean, you have pretty much just a side, side, side character doing it. So when we go back to this and, you know, you end up having Null talking to Dylan. You have the hive mind talking to Dylan. You have somebody else in there giving them little whispers. And you do have a badass moment here. But it is basically Null continuing the idea because, really, he gets to Earth in that first issue. He puts a cocoon around the planet. We've never seen repercussions of this. Why isn't it even just snowing out or whatnot? But we see nothing of that. And then we get the idea that I need Brock. Oh, my God. The the twist was he needed Dylan. Oh, my God. And then we just see him sitting around. And then he finally gets Dylan. Now he's just talking crap. Yeah, waiting for Dylan to come to him. Yeah, so the basis of it and the pacing and the overall story – I'm not that impressed. I'm not as impressed as a lot of other people. Now some big things happen, and I think that the idea, Donnie Cates, that's his M.O. I mean, this guy will get on, he'll write Jack and Jill, and the next thing, Jack will will be some other thing, and Jill will be an animal. I don't know. He has Jill to will be change the opposite everything. of what Jack is. When they both get to the top of the hill, one gets shoved down because they're the opposite, and I and it'll be everything. it'll be at the end that yeah, Jack actually was a cousin of this and that everything has to be changed and people are loving that that's one of the reasons why we actually were loving venom starting to get a little too much i mean when it happens now he's gonna be done venom soon and i think this is the two minute warning where he's like "Uh oh i gotta change more stuff but really the change here it is big for some people some people are yelling that this changes the whole marvel universe and whether or not you agree know. with that i don't i have an issue though in story is the captain idea that universe we've- there's a long history of captain universe coming down and you know what enveloping or engulfing other characters and then just pissing off four panels later so I, you know that's probably exactly what's going to happen here i don't think eddie's going to suddenly be captain of the universe or maybe he will because it's donny kate's writing things but and that's the thing though (laughs) my problem isn't even with that my problem is the idea that we've gone three almost four issues by the time eddie does get that seemingly to just give us that MacGuffin in the next issue even 
you know, I know it's, it, it sticks in his craw when this gets very, uh, referred to as, as metalish, but that felt very like a metalish moment to me where you just have the opposite coming down. And it's like, well, I, you know, I'm the big swing and D dark guy and you're the big swing and D light guy and let's punch each other now because I don't know. It, it's, it felt like when this whole venom thing started to me, there was a deeper plan at play here. Uh, in a more organic way for Null to appear in the story, which happened at first. And then this whole thing was just, you know, this whole event, it, and it, it feels like it's it's played out that way as well. Just doesn't feel thought out, doesn't feel as as connected as the first time he, he appeared in everything. Like he, he you know, it, I don't know, it, it feels like it was just a mandate from Marvel. We had We had a nice boost when Null appeared the first time. Let's really milk this cow for all it's worth now with an event and, and just keep these events events going every two months like they keep doing and you know yeah I don't and know. i'm getting sick of events yeah but <laughs> even that like just think Can't when you first anymore. had it back when null was their dragon all that the big thing was that it could really be affected by miles venom blast we we had that we set that up in the past and yet you don't get miles in the main book really you have him in his side book but again there he is doing venom blast all over where that should be somebody remembering. I mean, I think he could do that, and and or he remembers and goes. So you just end up with this, and you end up having Dylan with his badass moments. Says, you know, you end up killing my dad. Let's attack. You have this voice in his head, like, oh my god, yeah, keep going, go through the hive mind. You can fight him. You can get him done just to get the heroes free. And you end up having, you know, Johnny, Sue, Thor. Cyclops all these are being You know freed as Dylan Is doing his thing and That just leads then to uh, Felicia and Doctor Strange which we don't actually have Seen all of that yet and They are there where Felicia was Going to save you know Doctor Strange he has a staff he ends up Doing that and it's the whole deal of everybody Becoming gods everybody going But the big thing is that Gene is able to get into the mind of the hive mind of Null and ends up trying to pick into that to see what is the weakness and basically ends up saying there is no weakness. Now, Gene looks great. I think that the, the issue looks great until the end. Once you end up near the end, it gets a little wonky. When you end up having Null yell no, when you end up having Silver Surfer open up that cocoon around the earth, he looks goofy. He yeah, actually he looks funny uh, to me. But some of the problem is Silver up, Surfer's, quote unquote, you know, the color black right now. So he always has looked awful since they've decided to do that. So you end up where they they end up where Gene's trying to find the deal. And Gene's the one who's going to give us the mythos and, and all that, the changing of the idea that Null has been able to defeat everything. But when things first started out, everything has the yin and the yang, the opposite. And the opposite of Null was the whole deal with the Captain Universe, but it's the Enigma Force, all this going on. And it comes hot and heavy here where she ends up realizing, okay, that's what it is. In the meantime, it's trying to get into Earth right now. It can't get in. It's basically knocking on the door, but nobody's answering. Well, luckily we have Silver Surfer right there and says, oh, I see the light. It can't break through, cannot pass the barrier, but I can opens it up and then you end up having it come in. So finally we end up having something affecting Null. He yells, no, like I said, I yeah. didn't really like that panel. <laughs> and then even the idea of the splash, sling, splash, where it's going in and just destroying all the dragons so that you can get everything out. So we can have a 
mano y mano fight seemingly with Null in the next issue. And so you end up having that and the idea being said that the, you know, what we thought was Captain Universe before and the Enigma Force, it actually is something bigger. We have solved the equation. You end up Reed and, and Dr. Sh- Everybody's all excited about this. Reed's just sitting there in the hospital room with Eddie down below. And he's talking about all this Captain Universe Enigma Force and everything in my mind. Again, everything for this, it's big. But it always seems like everybody's just standing around talking about things and telling you what's happening and telling you this bigness of this. And then basically says, finally, the Enigma Force is solved, ends up things blowing up, and then Eddie ends up being risen from the deal that it's he's been chosen. He's been chosen. You know, Eddie Brock, you've been chosen here. And, I mean, there he is. He has the Enigma Force. He's the light. All of that to go against. No. But just to think of the story in this main book has been Null comes down, takes over the world. I mean, yeah. just in, in two a seconds. minute, in, in an the instant, first issue. Yeah. the world. The heroes go out to fight. They get captured. Dylan goes, frees them. Thor shows up. He gets stabbed. You know, you end up having uh, Iron Man. Tony, then, he's using the shit. That didn't work. You end up having all these things. And then just by the end, oh, it was just the Enigma Force trying to get in here. Now that it's here, okay, let's fight. This seems like we ended up going, we could have had two issues. You know, one and two. This middle stuff to me was a lot of filler for how it's being played out. I still think Dylan's going to be very important. I think that maybe we're going to get the thing. Now, here is my theory all along. That you were going to get Dylan go off to take the place of Null. I thought that maybe Dylan, he's going to go off to be the king of symbiotes, whatnot. Now I think that even more because the idea that they're really pushing that you need the dark and the light. So you can't defeat Null without having something go in its place or else all the balance is off. And I think that still you will have the dark and the light being both Brock, you know, Eddie and Dylan. They go off and whatnot. And then we just reset everything because the run's going to be over. I just, I don't know. People are talking about this being the best event they've ever read. I (laughs) still think Absolute Carnage was was way better. I was more, I was more into that. Hyperbole is, is, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's running rampant in this day and age because when they're saying, you know, every comic book that comes out every week is the best thing ever, you can't really believe anybody. That is true. I'm just talking about even just people talking, but I think that people love to just be wowed by big moments now. And people I think like, a lot of these people too that say this stuff, like have read comics only really for the last couple of years, you know. So, oh my, so when, they, to you. <laughs> when they get uh, the you know a big watch. wow moment, something they haven't seen happen before, or, you know, this is their first big wow. They're like, oh, this is the best thing ever, and then they go and write a hundred words about it. Well, it I 10. think, and I'm I'm even saying, not even reviewers. I'm just talking people going. Unfortunately, this day and age a lot of these comics that they do take like 50 issues to do anything you end up having a lot of decompression you have a lot of things where you know a wow moment in some issues nowadays seem to be making a sandwich i mean like oh my god you made a sandwich and so when you get these wow moments i do think that this is one of the things that they are they're fan service wow moments they also put you in the here and now where you're on the front line of seeing something new I think people go a little bit too far with how crazy and great it is because a lot of this King in Black has been standing around. 
It's been standing around trying to get at one point. We were mad because Dylan's out in the fray when he wasn't supposed to, but then they tied back it later to have him not. And so with all of this, I just am left with not a lot of emotions overall because I'm not a guy who likes wild moments. And maybe that's the problem here. Maybe it's just the way I like things and, and it just doesn't jive with it. I'm more of a overall story based on character is what I want. I want to see characters progress, evolve. I don't need the mythos to do that. And that's Donnie Cates' MO. That's what he does yes, now. No, I agree. With, that's his, and that's his that, tick for sure. Just think of what he's doing on Thor now with the Donald Blake stuff because that's doing both. That's changing the mythos, but really doing it in a character-based story that really makes sense and, and really is clever. And that's what I thought that this King in Black was going to be more clever. I thought that there was – because he usually can come up with things to go yeah. boom. But now it just feels like he's just throwing stuff at yeah, you. Well, that, and that's why I also think it's kind of like just the editor's like, oh, this sold well and we need sales, so let's keep this going. Because it doesn't feel like an organic – transition to the story you know and it just doesn't and and um miles who got rid of any the the first dragon they dealt with the the first time this all came about is nowhere to be found in this story and he like, has his own solo book the, this week where he is with this. he's venom blasting people he ends up saving miss marvel but that's the thing that i was saying where you set this up that dylan is the big thing because only he can save people who have been to, and then that just gets thrown away in every tie-in. You see people saving each other out the wazoo. Now, with this, I'm going to completely tell people that we could fake the funk. I know that we would be looked at better if we just came on here and said, man, this is awesome. Yeah. This is blowing my yeah. mind. We could have done that in three minutes. And people, so don't get mad at us. We're just being honest for ourselves. And if you like it more, that's fine. I just want to point that. out yeah. that most of the time... <laughs> You know, you can kind of fake all this. And I hear a lot of podcasts that will get on and they never have met a book they haven't liked because then at the end they can say, oh, well, I like it. That's up to me. Unfortunately, most of the times, not unfortunately, but I we try to have reasons and I can't fake it and have a reason. I'm giving you the reasons why I think it's down now still. I still am giving it a seven. Yeah, I still I'm not like it enough. Say yeah, I know. Yeah. I think I pick that's on why things I think enough that we and kind I don't of say go, anything positive yeah. Uh, yeah. about it. That's I what do, I want to say. I, I wish Dylan was developed more as a character because I do like Dylan. I love Dylan. But I, I don't feel like I know enough about a, Dil a Dylan except his, the whole parental situation he's come from. And that's really the limit to his character right now. And, and just some vague powers. Like he's falling into um, – What's his name? I can't even remember it anymore. Duke from Batman. Um, yeah. Where, where he's a signal. cool character and he, he gets your attention and he hooks you. But then the, the writers, you know, don't elaborate on what his power set is or, yeah, I get, he's the all powerful symbiote killer, I guess. But like, what, what does that entail? Like, can he talk to them all? Is it just a null thing? He and can he's supposed to be able to, like, to help them connect because we had all that in Venom Island, all that stuff where yeah, we it's, gradually it's he was working more on it though before and now it's just there and what got me and I, again, I maybe I'm nuts, but what got me was the idea that we were being told and we really thought Dylan is the be all end all. He is going to be the thing that will end up saving the day and when in that recap it said Eddie Brock is dead, his son Dylan looked to be our hero's only hope. And 
going into this issue, I still thought he was. But when you end up saying that, it's almost tipping your hand that something big's going to happen in this issue that is going to trump Dylan. And it does with Eddie yeah. at the end with the Enigma Force, where now I'm left like, well, I, I really was concerned with Dylan and wanted more Dylan and I wanted him. And he still may be. But the idea, again, this is where I said everything has to be bigger, bigger, bigger. I mean, we have turned this up to 28 by now. <laughs> that speaker is blown. Yeah. There's no speaker left. And it just ends up where I need that cleverness that usually Donny Cates brings to it, that thing that you didn't see. Now, the Enigma Force showing up is not that. I'm not saying like, – I'm saying that all of a sudden somebody does some – like a Donald Blake who ends up not being around and Donny Cates is able to explain that into a story where he's been driven nuts because yeah. Thor hasn't oh, switched. That is that clever. That's yeah. so clever. And that is a way that he was doing at the beginning of the Venom run, how he was changing the whole symbiote mythos. Where at first people were getting upset. I didn't know what the hell was going on, but you and you and Eric, when he was still on the thing, you were digging it. You were saying, "All right, let's see where it goes." Uh, but this is just like you know. I guess he wants to end with this big giant boom, this big finale to his run, because again, Venom he's going to end pretty soon after this, and I just it's not hitting me like his stories do. I love Donny Cates. One of my favorite books ever is The Paybacks that he did at Dark Horse. I think it's one of the best superhero comics I've ever read. I love his crossover series that he's doing at Image. I'm loving Thor. Sometimes, though, it doesn't hit. And this isn't hitting as much. The Guardian stuff didn't hit with us that much at all. I like and Silver so- Surfer Black. I like it. I liked uh- – I'm I'm hit and miss on his Thor, like this current story arc. I, I like a we lot. We love the Cosmic uh, Ghost Rider. Yeah, we oh, thought yeah, that definitely. was awesome. That was one of my favorite books, but uh, yeah, this Venom has gone down a, a wormhole kind of this this last year or so. I just haven't enjoyed it as much, and I was into some of the. I've gone back and forth on the changes. I wasn't crazy about him at first, and then as the story went on, I, I kind of enjoyed him some more. But now it's, I don't know. We're back to like just it being too much and it, it getting lost in the sauce of having little to no story and just events randomly happening now. And seven out of 10, like I said, this is something where I, I like a bunch of it. I actually love when Jean shows up. I like that she can get involved, all that, yeah. but an event like this with that many issues, you think the main book should be more than a seven out of 10. And for me, it's not, I'm sorry. I know that it seems like I'm running scared. For these people, but I'm already getting a lot of shade for the X-Men show. I don't need shade for this yeah. one either. But yeah, would, what would you give it? Yeah, I'm going to give it a, a uh, I was going to say like six, eight, just under a seven, I, I guess is where I'm going to go. Because, I, I, you know, there's there's nothing that really I haven't, I would say, haven't seen before uh, with, with the Captain Universe stuff. And, you know, like I, I've seen that wow moment in, in comics in and the it's past funny. and before, and I it's haven't. interesting, but you know, it, it doesn't. It, it's not like the answer I was I was looking for uh, to, to combat and all. You know, it doesn't feel organic to to the way this story's been been moving with, you know, Eddie and 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 Brock and all that, or um, Dylan and and you know the and the that's characters the funny involved. thing is, I don't know Captain Universe at all. So when it happened, I'm not getting the wow moment like the opposite of you you've seen it before i haven't but it wasn't enough a well moment now i'm still waiting for the venom beyond i'm waiting for that dylan to come through the null of that like i I want that stuff that i end up like it would end up paying off 
reading all of his run. Like I, that's maybe that's what it is. Maybe I want more. Like when we saw Rat, it's still so weird. We told that that whole future Dylan story, and I don't. I'm missing the connection to what that has to do with the present period well, of time. Well, I think right that now. it was just ending up trying to save some space so that they can get an event at a, a proper timing. It seems because <laughs> I want to see more of that. Like, like I was just saying, when Rex showed up, I thought like. I, I think that some writers forget that, you know, people want to seem smart. You know what I mean? So, and people want to be rewarded for reading a run. So when Rex came, I thought I was smart. I'm like, I remember him. I remember from the beginning. Now, again, we even said, what are you going back? Because then he had to end up doing some things to remind us, whatever. But still, it was paying off everything that went on. But now we're on the penultimate issue and we end with Eddie becoming, you know, the Enigma Force Captain Universe. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right, let's see what's up with that. So at the end, I kind of was taken aback by that. But yeah, I'm still a seven. I'm still enjoying it. And I really, the idea is this, most penultimate issues are just setting up the huge finale. If he hits on this number five, I'm in. That's all I need. I need to leave this event with something that is exciting and and fun. I mean, that Empire event, I slogged through that thing. I have to actually wait till the epilogue issues to enjoy it. That was too late. Uh, you know, you ended up having some really cool. Ep- but here we can bring it all back. I'm sure people are like, what a bunch of jerks. But we're going to go off. And, and two of the issues I'm going to be going off to, to end the putt, they are tie-ins. And I actually did like Miles, even though, again, it brings up that idea that we keep saying. He ended up bringing down a dragon before, and now he's just kind of doing his Sent little thing. The but the other one is... The other one, actually, I think I have two coming up because I have the uh, symbiote, the the Planet of Symbiotes deal that that seemed just a throne, but also Savage Avengers. That got a little weird, too. Hopefully, I'll be doing all those. We'll see. But we'll be going to that right about now. All right. We're going to move on with Miles Morales. Spider-Man number 23, written by Saladin Ahmed. Art by Carmen Carnero. Colors by David Coriel and letters by VCs Corey Petit. Miles Morales' Spider-Man is no stranger to symbiotes. Not too long ago, Dark Carnage wreaked havoc on New York City. He certainly did. While helping to fend off the attack, Miles was infected with a symbiote, but he broke free using his Venom Blast ability. Turns out Dark Carnage's attack was only a precursor to something much worse, and now Spider-Man has to defend his home from Null's army, beginning with the dragon that just landed in Brooklyn. And Miles even went against Null and the dragons, even before that in Venom way back. So... He has a history with this, and the Venom Blast is pretty powerful against it. This is why I said earlier with Brandon the idea that we don't have Miles, you know, contacted by Spider-Man even or whoever. It seemed a little odd, but you get him in his book here. Now, again, I just ended up talking about the idea that when you go off to these tie-in books, you end up having the characters in the books. You want them to be heroes. I mean, you end up having a tie-in, and it's a Miles Morales book. So you want to be able to do some things that people are like, all right, and especially fans of Miles, which I am. All right, Miles did it. He's awesome. But you, you tend to go a little too far with this. You end up going to a point where everybody can do things, but the main heroes in the main book, or even in this with the Venom Blast, you're again doing something where Miles can kind of do what Dylan is only supposed to do, or at least Dylan was doing to elevate that character. But again, I like Miles, so I'll go with it. It just, after all of these tie ins, it just kind of 
gets to me that each time we're just kind of going, okay, well, when we go up to this tie-in, that character will be able to do all these crazy things. But but remember, when we get back to the main book, we're all in trouble and we can't figure out what to do. But you end up where Miles tells Genki, hey, I'm going to take care of this dragon. If you remember the last issue, you ended up having Miles going back to the Brooklyn Visions High School. Nobody was around. He ends up going to the room. Genki's there. Like, what's going on? Oh, you haven't heard they're evacuating everything. Oh, no, there's a dragon outside the window, and that's where we are here. You end up, cool deal where, hey, be careful, dude. Genki said they give the fist bump always, and now it's time for Miles to go and take care of this dragon as he puts down, you know, Game of Thrones and things like that, a little bit of some pop culture references thrown in. Now, I will tell you, I like the art in this book. The dragon, though, felt off right away because it didn't feel or look at least like it was a symbiote dragon like we've seen. Now, each book is is having a different version of these dragons, some better than others. But this does look like a cool dragon. The problem is when you first see it and it's ripping a school bus apart, it really has the look of when Miles ends up de-symbioting it. Now, with that, too... Kind of threw me a little, kind of thinking about the idea of these null dragons, uh, you know, coming to Earth with no. And I'm not thinking to myself that they're actually dragons that have been taken over by the symbiotes. I always just thought they were symbiotes. That was a pure form of a symbiote. But what we end up having here is Miles being able to use the Venom Blast to at least disconnect the dragon with the hive mind, even though when you do it, it does seem like it's dissipating things off of it. Though, like I said, I never thought there was really a dragon down there. I just thought that was the shape the symbiote was taking after leaving Quintar coming with Null to Earth. But you end up, we'll go with the idea that it disconnects from the hive mind, so it's a nice dragon. It's like Peach Dragon, but now it's Miles' dragon. One of the things I was hoping for the dragon, I think that the dragon will return next issue i was hoping the dragon would stay a little and kind of go around because miles ends up getting a text from kamala miss marvel saying 911 i need you i need you lower east side and so miles is like oh my god miss marvel needs help we're gonna go off to see what's up and, and save her and what i do like about this is the idea that you end up having salina med being able to throw Miss Marvel in here because these were his two books that he'd been doing. And I really did like his magnificent Miss Marvel uh, because it was more of a family book. It had more heart than some of these other books. I enjoyed it. Not a lot of people read it, unfortunately, and it was canceled. So you get to have that here. Now she's kind of symbioted up. So yeah. And I would love the idea where she is all symbiote giant. She's in big and, and I just want Dum Dum Dugan to be like, whoa, 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 I thought we talked about this outlaw deal. And she basically says that Noel is now her mentor and skedaddle. Get out of town, even though Dum Dum ended up quitting. So I, I do know that. But still, the outlawed story, it made me laugh just the idea that there would be, you know, Cradle going around. Whoa, you're not supposed to be symbioted up here. Let's stop this shenanigans now. You are under arrest. And then they're dead. And we can forget about that outlawed story. That's how it all ends. I don't know if you realize this. So you end up Miles going, and he's flying this nice little dragon now. And he goes up in the air, and I like that he has, like, his spidey sense going. 
because when he gets up in the air, he's like, ooh, I think that that part of the city that's on fire might be where the action's at. Let's go, dragon. And they go off. And when they end up landing, you end up that they're on Yancey Street. Makes sense. Yancey Street has a lot going on, right? But what I really wanted, and if you had listened to the podcast for a while, one of the things that really made me giggle and made me smile is anytime you see not, you know, not the Fantastic Four, not Ben, you know, I know it's Yancey Street. I like the Yancey Street toughs. I like the kids who, who go around on Yancey Street that look like 1930 newsboys and end up, you know, attacking people with pool sticks, a slice of bread. And maybe their hopes and dreams. I mean, anything they can get their hands on, they are going to attack you with because they're the Yancey Street Toughs. And I love them. I wish we saw them here. We do not because what we see is an embiggened, symbiotic Kamala wreaking havoc. And you end up having Noel speaking through her, talking a lot of trash and shade at Miles about, oh, there's that uh, little spider who caused me problems before. Look at me. I got your friend now, and I'm going to make her do bad things, and I might kill her, and you can't do anything about it. Well, we know Miles can. The problem is he doesn't really want to go full out because if he does, he may end up hurting Kamala. She ends up at one point saying you have to do it, but he does free her a bit from the symbiote, but they're Null's really intent. A lot of times when these things happen – you know, the symbiotes and all that, they just leave town. But they, they got they're, they're actually where you have Kamala embiggened, they're emboldened, and Yancey Street must have gotten them fired up because they end up being able to come back at Kamala. And now you have the idea that Miles really has to go to town. He really has to use the Venom Blast to stop. The symbiote taking her again, all these things. He's afraid I'm going to use it too much. You're going to die. You're going to be hurt. She says, really? I mean, I'm, I'm ending up that there's goose all around me. You, you got to try and I'll be fine. And she was right. She is fine. He ends up blasting the crap out of her. But he's not fine. That's the problem. The big thing is, is that Miles may not have survived this. I think he will. I don't think he's dead here. And it's just a little, you know, a little hunch. But you end up having her pick up Miles as if it's Superman picking up Supergirl. Looks quite like that. Or maybe a Batman Robin deal. And looks up and there's a bunch of dragons and things coming their way. Buildings being knocked over. I'm assuming one of those dragons is his dragon. You know, Miles' dragon. Be cool if it just stayed with him. After this, too, he's got a dragon he can go around. But, yeah, uh, overall, I, I thought this was good enough. Uh, if you're reading it, and here's the thing, there's a lot of these books, like say a Savage Avengers, I had not been reading it in a while. I end up going and reading an issue because of the tie-in to the whole deal, and okay, it was okay. Then you have like Daredevil. The first issue with Daredevil threw me off a bit because I was so used to the book being one thing, a street-level you know, book that that's a, a gritty down to earth book, and now all of a sudden you're thrown into a cosmic thing. But even the second issue of Les, I really liked it. This book, I like Miles, and it, it feels right because he uses the Venom Blast. He has gone against symbiotes. So this one is one of those where, okay, I don't mind this. And I thought that it was okay. It's very quick, not a ton going on, but enough that if you have been reading Miles, I think that you would be able to, you know, read this and not get upset. But I'd give it a seven, eight. Out of 10, 
it, it's not the greatest, but it didn't infuriate me. But I'll go on to the next book, which will be the last book that we talk about this week. Again, this King in Black, you can't escape it. It's another King in Black tie-in. And it's Planet of the Symbiotes number two. And Planet of the Symbiotes two has two stories. The first American Kaiju, written by Mark Bernardin of Fat Man and Kevin Smith fame. Art by Kyle Hodge, colors by Rachel Rosenberg, and the letters by VCs Corey Petit. Second story is Hornet, written by Jeffrey Thorne. Art by John Eljan Balzadwea. And Colors by Rachel Rosemarg. And again, VC's Corey Petit on letters. And Jeffrey Thorne had done the recent King and Black, Black Panther tie-in that a lot of people liked more than me. And also did the Green Lantern Future State over at DC. That was like the French call garbage. But let's see how these are. American Kaiju Corporal Todd Ziller put his life on the line for his country as a test subject for a new iteration of the super soldier serum using elements ranging from gamma radiation to pin particles to Kurt Connor's lizard formula serum gave Todd the ability to transform into a reptile like behemoth. He protects the land of the free and home of the brave as American Kaiju. And I saw that Mark was on Twitter saying that this issue or this story of the American Kaiju was all killer and no filler. I beg to differ. I think that this is all filler and not so killer. Basically, you end up having America Kaiju going around saying USA in his crazy hissing way, going around wrecking things, coming up against the symbiotes, taking them on, eating them, hitting them, and then at the end, ending up transforming back to himself, a la the Hulk, and nothing happens. Nothing this this whole issue is going to be so quick and really of all of the tie-ins this has to rank as one of the most unnecessary ones that there is you can have fun with it it's not necessary if you're there and you're pinching pennies i'm telling you right now i'd skip it if you just want straight up action with different things going against the the deal You know, the symbiotes and stuff, I guess you can enjoy this. But that first story, American Kaiju, it is just nothing. It is nothing through and through. The second story by Jeffrey Thorne tries to do a little more. You end up, and I'll say Hobie Brown, you end up having Prowler, Hobie Brown, now becoming the Hornet and pretty much stepping up to be a hero against the symbiotes. But... Like I said, and I'll say it again, and even with Jeffrey Thorne's Black Panther, you end up going a little too much with the character. You end up elevating the character, I'll keep saying this, in its own deal, but then it doesn't make sense when we go back and you end up having Prowler, Hobie Brown, being able to take care of symbiotes more and better than, say, Captain America. I mean, that's a little too much. But what we get is Hobie Brown was once the villain known as the Prowler. After a few clashes with the hero Superman, Hobie turned his brilliant mind and venom skills towards doing good. Now working for the Fair Gray Pay Company, Hobie plans to do even more good for the world at large as Hornet. Now you don't get a ton of that. What you end up getting here is that Hobie had promised not to be Prowler anymore, and he's not going to be, but... He never promised anybody not to be Hornet. And while he's having uh, some lunch slash dinner, I guess it is a little bit later there, you end up having 
queries, they end up getting attacked by symbiotes. You end up, oh my God, I've got to do something about this as everybody's turned into symbiotes, dragons everywhere. You end up where you have, you know, pretty much Hobie realizes what this is. He has a connection with Spider-Man. He understands symbiotes. He's seen these, Venom, all that, and ends up, oh my God, everybody watch out. Close these curtains, get away from the windows, and then you have to have this old white guy step up and go, who are you to tell orders? I have three condos, I does. And then he seemingly gets eaten by a dragon because he should because he's a piece of crap, but it's just out of nowhere. I mean, there's dragons and symbiotes all over and you have the one guy step up. Who are you to tell me not to get killed by the symbiotes? I'll tell you, young man. And then you end up, he got his comeuppance, but... The whole deal is as everybody's turning into symbiotes, everybody's going, you end up Hobie sending his lady love downstairs. You stay there next to the electrical outlets down there because they don't like the electricity. But here's the problem. And I said this, you end up mentioning it again this week in King and Black. The symbiotes that are here, the things doing all these problems, they're more resistant to sound and fire. This is what makes them a threat this is what makes them a thing where tony stark's not just going to build a giant you know speaker a la the old memorex commercial where you'd have no sitting on the, the chair and his hair blowing back he's got long nice hair he looks like he could be like you know maybe the basis for ozzy at some point you know maybe back in the day uh but yeah so what you end up having is hobie goes he gets on the hornet costume oh man here i go I got the Hornet costume. Looks pretty cool. He's going to go. He gets slapped silly across the street. Ends up in a store that's selling the new Stark phones. And he goes, huh, you know what I can do? Because I've been hacking these Stark phones since I was two. He actually says since I was a kid. Well, that that's all fun and games there, Hobie. But you're kind of there just the middle of a store with display models and things and it's not quite the same as sitting at home hacking into the old phones, the new phones. Oh, there's an upgrade. They actually say there's an upgrade with the speaker. That that that's the upgrade. The spe- oh my god, these things are loud. No, have them get one of those, you know, those portable speakers and stuff. Maybe, but you are actually going to take down a symbiote here with with phones. You're gonna with phone speakers again when the symbiotes aren't necessarily the same ones that can be taken down by sound or fire. And you're going to end up saving a bunch of people, which again was a big thing for Dylan to do when he ended up saving his dad before then his dad kicked the bucket right after, but he ended up saving Captain America. He ended up saving, you know, half of the fantastic four in this past issue, things like that. That's what made him unique. That's what made him the last hope. That's what made, you know, Reed say you're the guy We're going to do this and then Spider-Man Well you know do you want to Yeah I want to go and I want to hurt somebody I'm mad whatever but now people are just Doing it with iPhones And you have in Wakanda they're just doing it With equipment they had well I think That at this point then For issue 5 of the King of Black We just get a bunch of iPhones We set them up and we just End up playing uh, you know rock the bells Which is pretty cool because what I thought was going on, he's like, I'm going to hit you with some of uh, Mailer's Symphony Number no. 2. But when he says Rock the Bells, that's LL Cool J. And I want to see that. And that would end up at least 
getting the null symbiotes dancing and distracted. You know, you play rock, rock the bells. I don't know if anybody knows the song, but I do love it. And then right after that on my playlist would probably be uh, I'm Bad. And then maybe going back to Cali, which would be a little bit more relaxed. But maybe at that point, it might even put some of the symbiotes to sleep. And then you get them then. And I'm just going to go through my whole. And then Mama says, knock you out. Is at the end. That's the end in the grand finale when we start beating the crap out of everybody. And just like LL in that whole deal with the unplug when he did it, we'll all have our our armpits with the, the deodorant still on there. It'd be awesome. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. But, yeah, you end up where there is Hobie. He ends up pretty much saving the day. And that's the other thing. You, you get these symbiotes out. Now, with that, the whole planet is consumed with symbiotes. And they're in a giant shell. People are still just out having dinners. I, I mean, I'm in the middle of a shutdown here. I'm stuck in my basement. I can't go anywhere. Plus, I got COVID. But still... These people, they don't care. They ain't going to stop their lives because the whole world's in a cocoon. Nonsense. Some of these tie-ins just, they don't know the, the time and space that they're in at the moment of these things. I think nobody has told Jeffrey Thorne really what's going on in this. Where, oh yeah, well, there's symbiotes destroying the city. Uh, also, the whole planet is enveloped in a symbiote cocoon. Null's just sitting on top of buildings like it's this private little toilet or something at one point. But, yeah, they, everybody's going out. They're hitting the bistro. Everybody, you know, you can't skip brunch, right? You can't skip that. Mimosas for everyone. Uh, who the hell cares what's going on? Please. Th- these people in this bistro are like those a-holes that were going out and getting their hair cut. You know, a month after the COVID hit, this is why we're never going to win the battle, people, because these people can't stop. Uh, So there you go. Now I riled myself up and got angry. And then at the end, he's like, well, I'll I'll put the, the, uh, you know, my outfit away, but then I won't. And then I'll fly off. And even as Hobie flies off, he goes actually and gets his wings, right? And then he flies off, and then you see as he flies off, he's like, and the hornet's going to help him clean it up. He says, whatever this mess is, I know Spidey's in the middle of it. Yeah, he is. And I'm going to help clean up. Now you go above the city, and now I'm really mad at these jerks at the bistro because the whole city is consumed here. I don't know what's going on, these people. Oh, my. You New Yorkers, you think you're so great, don't you? You go into your bistros and get in your, your... Little coffees. What do they call them? The espressos. I know what they call them. I don't like them. They're a little too uh, strong for me. I'm a guy who likes just a mild, a mild coffee, but I do drink a ton. So maybe I should skip to the chase and get those espressos and and just get it. But I think that it would drive me nuts. I I think that I would have even more problems than I do. I don't know. Now I'm I'm looking at this. In the meantime, you have. Freaking America Kaiju running around like he's Godzilla or something. Like he he's the cat's meow. He's attacking symbiotes until he isn't. The end. And like I said, if if you're there and you're sitting there at your house right now, and, and say you haven't listened to this yet, you know, pretend that you, you didn't listen to me, which is probably pretty easy and you probably like that anyway. But you're like, you know what I need? I need more of Todd Ziller. 
And and while we're speaking to that boy, I could go for some Hobie Brown. I need some of that Prowler slash Hornet now. Boy, why aren't they involved in all of this? Now, the first issue of the Planet of Symbiotes, it made sense. It seemed more important. At least you're getting symbiotes. I mean, really? And this is like we're already at the point where, well, you know, Ziller, kind of involved. And then Hobie, you know Spider-Man. Who's big on the, the symbiotes and venom and stuff? So we'll throw you in there. It's getting to the point where I think I'm in issue three because I've talked about it. It's just going to be me down in this basement, the whole issue, just yelling, yelling about things. But because I'm yelling so loud, I end up being able to dissipate the symbiote goo off my family. And then somehow they get mad at me because they'd rather be with Null than me. That's the end. But actually, next issue. You end up getting a little cloak and dagger action. Luckily, this event is ending at some point. We would have gone down the lane so far. It is This is whispered down the lane storytelling nonsense, but I had fun talking about it. And again, I'll tell you right now, this isn't anything that if you do want what they're giving you here, you're not going to get angry. Because there's not enough to get you angry. It's like one of those, like if you saw me on the street and you said, hey, Jim, what's up? And I said, sup, right? You can't really get angry at me. I said, sup. But if you said, hey, Jim, what's up? And I said, oh, my God, what are you talking to me, you jerk? Now you're going to get angry. Or maybe you're busy. You're trying to get somewhere. You're just being nice and say, hey, Jim, what's up? And I go 10 hours with all my miseries because I could go further than that. But I end up with that. Now you're mad at me because I tried to do too much. You know, I tried to get you don't want that. You just wanted a sup. This issue is a sup. That's all it is. There's nothing else but a sup. There you go. We're done. We're done. Actually, I don't know what happened. That actually, I, what it, it did was pick me up is what it did. It's like quarter of one in the morning right now. And now I'm all fired up yelling. Probably woke up everybody in the house, but they can suck it. Because you know what? I saved them from the symbiotes. They'd rather be with Null. I know now that is definitely in my mind that happened. And they're going to pay. They are. And you know how they're going to pay? By me ignoring them and sitting in the basement even longer. They're not allowed to get near me. I'm I'm in quarantine. With that, too, my son, Zach, who actually gave me COVID, he's out of quarantine because he's fine now. I'm not. I can't shake this. I can't shake. I, they ended up making me go to the hospital. I had to go through all these other tests to see if maybe I, I just have something else wrong with me. But no, I don't know. I didn't get those tests back. So maybe maybe that's the case. But it seems like I still have the, the COVID is what they're telling me. And I'm one of those, you know, long cases, the long haulers. That's what I'm doing, long hauling. I'm like hauling blood in a box truck across the United States. Sounds like a setup for a movie. But I'm going to give this a 6 out of 10. It's okay. The art's okay. Actually, the art's pretty good. But the overall, there's just nothing to this. There really isn't. There's no need for this. There's nothing to it. I'm not guessing. Well, I I am guessing. I'm guessing that Hobie's not going to save the day in King and Black 5. I don't think he's going to be the linchpin to the King and Black story. So... I don't think you need it. And and that's the other thing. Having these things come out like right after or with the penultimate issue of the thing where we already get a little bit of an idea of how this thing's progressing. Getting this is just like a, 
hey, you want some more stuff that's okay? Well, there you go. You have it. But thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for spending a little bit of time with me, whether you're at work right now or maybe food shopping or maybe burping your newborn baby. I don't know. I don't know what you're into. Maybe you're playing tennis, maybe a video game. Maybe you're thinking of all the hopes and dreams uh, that I had that got dashed because I decided to have five kids, you know, things like that. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for spending this time with me. I'm going to go to bed. I'm not going to have an espresso, especially if the, the freaking planet was enveloped in a cocoon. Please. But go over to the whole deal. What am I saying? Go over to Twitter. WS Marvel Comics. I have to sit there. I'm looking off in the space trying to remember what I say. Uh, WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. Follow you back. And you can say sup. That's what we say, right? Sup. Also, you can go to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. Sup. Yeah. And go to our Patreon where you can get a big sup. And one of the sups you can get there is me and Brandon talking about Modoc Head Games number three. Head Games. That whole deal. And then you could also go. Add that and listen to me talk about Thor I believe it's Thor number 12 That'll be me, myself and I Like De La Soul, not LL I like De La Soul a lot If you don't know who they are I ended up meeting the fellas From De La Soul And actually hung out with them at a football game So take that That is my brush with fame And they didn't realize That they weren't having a brush with fame Hanging out with me But that's fine but yeah, go to all those. Thanks, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope I tried to make it a little more lighter by the end because I know that this King in Black, a lot of people are loving it. This is me being serious now. You know, I'm I'm actually turning the chair around. I switch my hat. No sup here. You don't get the sup while I'm being serious. But I know that some people are liking the King in Black more than me, and I hope that you don't get angry that I don't love it. But I think at this point, after, say, the War of the Realms, Brandon brought that up, and then the Absolute Carnage, which I love, but then Empire, now this, now you have Heroes Reborn. It's starting to get to me, these over-long events and things like that, Um, but I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm okay. Are you okay? Aren't we all okay? Yes, we are. So we'll get through it together. We'll talk about this. This will just be water under the bridge in a couple of months or whatever when we're on to the next thing we can yell about. But I do love Marvel Comics. have been enjoying uh, doing this, and I really enjoy a lot of the feedback that we get. A lot of people give uh, a lot of positive feedback, which actually keeps me going and makes me think it's all worthwhile. But, hey, everybody, I'll talk to you later. Maybe even in a couple of days with a couple of extra books, because I like doing that extra podcast. But we'll see. Sayonara, suckers.